0: church and uh, that was two weeks ago, so if you didn 't uh, get to hear that message i don 't think it 's up online yet, but it will be very soon uh, and we talked about better together uh, two weeks ago and of course last week was Easter and how many of you are thankful for some rededications last week and salvations come on, we need to be thankful for that and that 's not the end of it that 's the beginning of it and so uh, we 're thankful that uh, people got saved last week people Uh, rededicated their lives to God and to uh, being a part of church last week, and we're going to continue this series about my church because it's important. Um, It's one thing to get saved, but you need to do something after that. That's just the beginning, and you need to be a part of a good church, and the local church is the most important thing you could be a part of in your entire life, so we're going to talk out of uh, Matthew 16, and that's kind of our key verse for this series, and we're going to start in... Verse 16. I'm going to be reading from the New Living today. Usually I read from the New King James. Uh, So the New Living says it like this. Simon Peter had answered and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to you, You are blessed, Simon, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any any human being. Verse 18. Now I say that, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Come on, that's where the, the Pentecostals say amen. My church. Okay, there we go. You, you, you got to do a little head nod when you say it. My church. Okay. Um, you guys are too white this morning. All right. Come on. God bless you. Just Just loosen up a little bit on me here. Okay. Upon this rock I will build my church. Okay, there we go. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. But notice Jesus said, I will build my church. And the New King James says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now let's look over at Ephesians. Ephesians 2. It's okay if we get in the Bible right. Ephesians 2, verse 19. I think I see my son back there who just returned from Honduras. I see you in the back there. Good to have you back. Ephesians 2, in verse 19. Ephesians 2 and verse 19. Now, this is from the, the New Living. Ephesians 2 in verse 19. It says, now you... Where Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you are citizens along with God's people. You are members, notice, of God's family. That's the church. Together, notice, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of a dwelling place where God is can live by his spirit. Now let's look over at first Peter, First Peter 2. just trying to read a couple foundational verses to show you where we're going today. First Peter 2, and we're going to read in verse four. First Peter 2, verse four. First Peter two and verse four says, "You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And verse 5, listen to this. You are also living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more is you are his holy priest through Jesus Christ that will offer up spiritual sacrifices that please God, But Moses says, you are also living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. So today, for this series of my church, we want to talk about pebbles and boulders. Pebbles and boulders. Can you say that? Pebbles and boulders. One more time. Pebbles and boulders. So we're going to talk about pebbles and boulders today. Can I get an amen? Now let's look back at Matthew 16. And we'll park there and get going. You're responsive this morning. I can just sense it. Matthew 16. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's important that we go to the Bible because it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God's Word says about it. So that's why it's important that we turn to actual scriptures. And not just preach what's on the news and not just preach what's in a magazine or preach what's cool. We preach what the Bible says because the Bible knows better than what we know because it's God speaking to us. So we need to run whatever we're thinking in our head is right through the filter of the Bible to see what does God say about this. And if we're wrong, which a lot of times we are wrong, we need to transform and renew our mind to what God has to say about it. So... In Matthew 16, and we read this, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about Better Together. And just a quick recap of that, we we discussed a lot of excuses why people say they don't want to come to church or they don't want to be involved in church. And we explained those reasons on why they're wrong. And why uh, you need a church in your life. And why the local church is the most important thing you could give your life to. Now we talked about uh, the other week that the church is the family of God. We are the family of God not just on earth but in heaven and in earth. Because there's millions of people in heaven right now that are part of your family. There's billions of people on the planet right now that are a part of your family. So it's just bigger than just Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. The church is something that's big. It's huge. its I almost sounded like Donald Trump for a second there. It's huge. Okay. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Too much CNN. Um, Really, too much CNN and Jimmy Fallon mixed together. Um, The church is something that's so massive, so powerful. It is the most powerful thing on the planet. And it will always be the most powerful thing on the planet. And you realize that you think... The earth is in bad shape right now. You should see the earth without the church. And I know there's issues that are going on in the planet that are wrong and that are evil and that are not right. But imagine how it would be if the church of Jesus Christ wasn't here. And how many know they don't discuss on the news what's going right in the world. Just what's going wrong. They don't discuss what the church is doing all over the world. In every country you can imagine, in every island, in every village, the church is there when other people are not there. There is more hospitals built by the local church than any other organization. There is more people being fed today, clothed today, given clean water today, being healed, being delivered, being helped, being counseled by the church of Jesus Christ. And no other organization or religion is even close to what the church can do. But a lot of people just want to talk what's wrong about the church, and there is things wrong with the church. Guess what? There will be because there's people in the church. There will always be wrong things in the church. But the fact that the church is not just natural, it's supernatural. It's not just something that we just go to on Sunday, and it's just out of ritual, and it's a dead thing, and it's just another organization. No, it's alive, and it's a living organism that is alive and full of power. It's the most powerful thing on the planet, and if the church ever decided to really change the world, the world would be changed by now. You know, this thing would have been done and over with a long time ago if all 2.2 billion people who say they're a follower of Jesus was acting like a follower of Jesus and being the church and being the hands and feet of Jesus. This thing would have wrapped up a long time ago because the world would have been changed. So you got to realize, and I heard mom for a second, she talked about you have authority. The church is an authority, not government. Hello, somebody. Not an organization, not money, not celebrities, the church is the most powerful thing. If we only realize we have authority. If we only realized who we are because we're not just another organization that's just trying to do something in the natural. We have God himself that backs up the church. That's what sets us apart. That's why we can do things that other people can't do because it's supernatural. It's not natural. I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if you're responding yet. But God himself backs up his church. And Jesus said that he is building his church. The only thing that Jesus ever said that he's building on this planet, he said he calls it my church, personally. It's his church. And he said that he's building the church on the earth because it's the vehicle that God will use to change the world. The hope of the world is the local church. You're saying, well, that's Jesus, but Jesus is only here through his hands and through his feet, which is the body of Christ, which we are. So if it's got to get done, Jesus is going to do it, not just do it by himself. He's going to do it through the church. Realize that revival is not something that, that God is just up in heaven withholding from us. He's waiting on us to do something. A lot of people are waiting on a move of God, but God is waiting on a move of man to do something. Because we're in authority and we are the body Of Christ. So if it's going to get done. The church is going to have to do it. That's why the church has been ineffective. Because we're sitting waiting on God to do something. When he's already given us the authority to do something. And so nothing's getting done. Because God's not moving. Because we're not moving. And we're waiting back and forth on each other. And we know that God does stuff apart from people. He's God. He can do that. But primarily he uses the church... To change the world. You know when people get healed. Majority of the time. It's somebody prays for that person. And they get healed. He uses his body. To bring healing power. Yes we know God heals people. If they're all by themselves. But majority of time. He uses his body. When people get delivered. Guess what? Somebody is praying for that person. Commanding the the enemy or the demon or whatever it was bugging them to leave and they are delivered through the body. The hands and feet of Jesus. When people get saved, majority of times, somebody is preaching to them the gospel. Not an angel. Not God audibly speaking. A person on the planet is speaking to people saying, you need to get saved. Jesus loves you. Here is the gospel. And he's using people... To get those people saved. Now we know it's his power. It's the spirit of God that does that. But he's using his body to do it. Did you get anything so far? That's not even in my notes. That was all free. That's extra. You're going to need to give something extra in the offering later on for that. And so the church is the family of God. The church is also the house of God. We make up the house of God on the earth. And it's not just a building. But it's his people. We are the house of God. And lastly, the church, like we said a couple weeks ago, is the community of God. We're supposed to be a divine community on the earth. We're supposed to be doing life together, not just on Sundays, but all through, through the week. We're supposed to be living a life, not just separated Monday through Saturday and just coming together on Sunday. That's where we miss it. No. We need to gather together in settings like this, but the early church didn't just gather, they scattered. And when they scattered, they didn't scatter by themselves, they scattered with each other. They went to lunch together, they went to the mall together, they went to work together, they went uh, to go fishing together, they did life together throughout the week. If you read the book of Acts, it said they meant house to house. They ate together. They prayed together. When anybody had need, sometimes they didn't even need to take up an offering in the church service because the people who knew them met that need, even to the point that they sold everything they had so other people could have their needs met in the church. That's a real community. And that is the plan of God, that we're in community. He has never intended for us as believers to be by ourselves. He's never intended for Christians to be alone. It's not good that man is alone. It says in Proverbs 18 that a man who isolates himself is not wise. Not wise. Because the enemy will always take advantage of people who are by themselves. We know this from Shark Week, we know this from Discovery Channel, we know this from History Channel. It's the lone seal that gets attacked. It's the lone antelope who pastors himself at Coffee Crossing by himself, um, is the one who gets eaten alive. But they never attack the group. Why? Because there's safety in numbers. Come on, somebody. There's safety in numbers, and it's the same way in the church. There's safety in numbers. He's never called us to be by ourselves, He's called us to be together. And there's safety in numbers, there's strength in numbers, there's something supernatural that happens when we hang out with each other outside these four walls. Because we're sharpening each other, we're strengthening one another, we're praying for one another. And something is happening that you can't just get on Sunday morning. And we need the community of God. We need to be a part of community. We need to do life together. And let me ask you this again, and I asked you this two weeks ago. If you're not hanging out with anybody Monday through Saturday, you're missing it. You're doing it wrong. If you're not talking to people, if you're not texting people, if you're not eating with people, if you're not doing life with people, you're missing out on the community of God. And don't say you're too busy. No, you're too busy with the wrong things, just not the right things. You're too busy doing things that are going to be pointless in light of eternity. That are not going to matter in 50 years from now. Not going to matter in 100 years from now in light of eternity. But what matters is the community of God. And notice it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be every day. But you should be texting people, calling people, being involved in people's lives. Saying, hey, let's go get some coffee. Let's go get some lunch. Let's go hang out. Let's do life together. That's how you grow in the community of God. Because you can't grow by yourself. You need other people challenging you, helping you, strengthening you, doing life with you because you are not strong enough alone. You guys receiving this this morning so far? We need the community of God. So let's read here Matthew 16 in verse 18. So, we're going to talk about pebbles and boulders today. And we're going to get into this, do some teaching for a moment. Jesus had just asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're just a random prophet. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, in verse 17, he says this, Jesus replied and said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Verse 18 says, now I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we're going to talk about this today. Pebbles and boulders. Now. This is a verse that a lot of people have debated and discussed on what it really means. Is the church built on Peter, who is a man, or is the church built on Jesus? Because a lot of people will read this and they get it confused. And a lot of times when we read the Bible, we're trying to go, well, it's either this or it's that. Actually, it's both and. And a lot of times when we read the Bible, we're trying to look, well, it's either this or this. Sometimes it's both and. Is Jesus building the church on Peter or is he building it on Jesus? Well, he's building it on both because we are co-laborers with God. We just mentioned we are the body of Christ. So is he building it on Peter or is he building it on Jesus? He's building it on both. Now let me explain to you this today. So we see here that he says that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now this word Peter is the word Petros, which is the word used for a small stone or a pebble. So when he says you are Peter, it's the word Petros, which is a small stone or pebble. But then he goes on and says, and upon this rock, that's a different word. And the the other word used for rock is the word Petra, which means a foundation or a boulder or a cornerstone. So we see here that Peter and this other word rock are two different words. There is the word Peter, which is Petros, which is a pebble, But then there's another word, Petra, which is the foundation boulder cornerstone. Now stay with me. Can I teach you this morning about something? So we see that he says, upon this rock I will build my church. Now what is it? Well, we see here that God is revealing this to us, that he's building it on mankind, but also on his son. We are co-laborers together. We work together. And it says that Peter, notice, he is not the foundation of the church, but he is a stone that builds up this house, which is the church. So all of us in here are stones that build up the church. We're just not the foundation, cornerstone. That's Jesus. And we see here that what is the rock that he's building his church on it is the revelation that Jesus is the son of the living God. That is the rock and foundation on which the church stands. But notice, after the foundation is built, something ha- somebody has to build something on it for there to be a structure or a house. And we see that the foundation or cornerstone is Jesus or is the revelation that he is the living God, but upon him there is Peter's, and all of us are one in here. We are stones, not boulders, pebbles, that are building up this spiritual house, which is the church. Are you with me so far? And so we see here that Peter is a part of building the church, but the foundation is Jesus. Jesus is building the church. Now let's look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. You guys still here this morning? Ephesians 2. Now, we, we know this if you've ever, you know, seen the Da Vinci Code, which is, you know it has to be true uh, if you've seen Da Vinci Code. Um, we know this. A lot of people think, which I actually think is a kind of a cool idea. They think that, you know, Peter was the first pope, and Peter is physically buried underneath the church in Rome where the pope lives. So literally, they took the scripture literally, upon this rock, I will build my church. Still today, they believe that. Now, I kind of think that's cool, that Peter would be buried under that amazing church over there in Rome. So literally, they take the scripture that upon Peter, where he's buried, they have built that church around him. Now, we know that Jesus meant more than just that, but that's kind of a cool side note. And so we see in Ephesians 2, in verse... 19, it says, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's people. Notice you are members of God's family. That's the church. That's encouraging for all of us in here. We're not a part of the outsiders. We're a part of the insiders because we're not outside the family now. Because of Jesus, we're a part of God's family. And it says together, notice we are His house Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And notice the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. But notice, but we are carefully joined together with him. Becoming a holy temple. So we see that it was God's idea to choose us to build this thing together. You know God could have done this all by himself if he really wanted to. But he chose to use us to play a part in his building. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. He could have done this all by himself, but he said, you know what? The cornerstone is Jesus. He is the foundation. He is the boulder. He is the one who carries all the weight. But all of us in here are also fellow stones, or we could say fellow bricks, in this building which is being built up, which is the church of Jesus Christ, which is the house that God is building on the earth. And all of us play a part in that. And you all know this, that it's important how you build a building. It's important how you build a house. If there's not stones and bricks and things in place, the house is weak. The house will fall. It's the same way with the church of Jesus Christ. We all have to be in the right place. And every part matters. Every brick that is laid, which is all of us in here, is important. Every stone every pillar, every beam, everything that this house is built with is important to the stability and strength of the church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians 3. You follow me so far this morning. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. First Corinthians 3 and verse 9. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.9, notice we are God's workers and you are God's field, but notice it says you are God's building. Interesting. You are God's building. Verse 10, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation, that's Jesus, like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be careful For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. So what is he saying here? All throughout the New Testament, they're repeating the same idea that we are God's house, we are God's building. And the foundation or cornerstone is Jesus Christ. But we also have a part to play. See, that's what can be frustrating in the church world is because so many people don't realize they have a part to play and it's really important. They are a part of this building and it's very important. It's like if we, we went by this church and there was all these bricks mill, missing, it would be so unattractive. If this building was falling apart because there wasn't bricks in the right place and there wasn't stone in the right place, nobody would take notice. But that's what the church becomes a lot of times because people don't realize the part that they have to play. It's so important that we are a pebble, we are a brick, we are a stone that needs to be where we belong doing what God has called us to do. And we need to do our part. Jesus has his part taken care of. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. But we have a part to play as stones in the spiritual house. Now, we're not talking about this is not a physical house. This is a spiritual thing. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about Jesus building his church. Jesus is the rock in which the church is built. Jesus is the foundation cornerstone of the church. His part is important his part comes first now let me tell you something about cornerstones now we don't do this as much as we used to but especially you know thousands of years ago but still today if you go to downtown louisville downtown new albany other cities you will see buildings and a lot of them have cornerstones now cornerstones are important cornerstones uh, do a lot of different things let me tell you a couple things they do The cornerstone is laid first. That's important. And it says that Jesus is the cornerstone. He started this thing, and he's the foundation of this thing called the church. The cornerstone is laid first. Also, when the cornerstone is laid, they oftentimes do a celebration for the new building that's going to arrive. And we know we celebrate. We came here today to celebrate Jesus. Because he's the cornerstone. And he's the foundation that we base our life on. The cornerstone also does this. It helps bind the rest of the building together. Or we could say that the cornerstone brings unity to the entire building. You realize that there is all sorts of denominations. There's all sorts of ways of looking at... The way people dress, the way people play their music at church, the way the carpet looks, the way they do communion, the way they baptize people. There is debate about all those things, but there is one thing that unifies the entire church, and that's Jesus. We can argue about other stuff, and let me tell you, we shouldn't argue about other stuff because it's really not that important at the end of the day. It's not important. But there's one thing that the church will never argue about that Jesus is the son of the living God and he is the only way, he is the only truth and he's the only life. And Jesus, notice he's the cornerstone that binds the entire church together. Sometimes it seems like the church world can't get in unity about a lot of things which is sad. But we can unify around one thing that Jesus is God. And Jesus is the only way. And so a cornerstone help binds things together. A cornerstone also provides the support or the foundation for the building. You realize that Jesus being the head of the church, he is the support and foundation where we get our strength from as the church. You don't get the strength in the building from stones or bricks that are high up on the building you get the strength from the foundation you get the strength from that cornerstone and that's what jesus is to us as his church notice jesus is that foundation the cornerstone can we talk about peter now this is the fun part this is where you all come in here so jesus is the cornerstone he's the foundation where we build upon as the church the house of god now let's look at first peter 1 Peter 2. Y'all still getting, the, getting this this morning, right? Picking up what I'm laying down, right? 1 Peter 2. In verse 4. 1 Peter 2 in verse 4. So we see that we are co laborers with God. Jesus has his part, which we just talked about, which is very important as the foundation. But we also are stones that are in this house. We are bricks of this building. We are pieces of this structure that is called the church. We all have a part to play. We all have an important area of grace that God has given us to fulfill. And we all need to be where we belong. Now, before we read 1 Peter 2, in verse 4 and 5, let me tell you a little something about Peter. Now, we just read this. He spoke up and told Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yeah, you're right. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, something about Peter that should comfort us all is this. Now, Peter was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. Peter was the loudmouth of all the disciples. Let's just say that. But you can't fault Peter. Now, I feel like I maybe associate with Peter a little bit better than John. John was tender. You can respond a little bit today. John was tender, okay? John was the disciple who Jesus loved, they had a loving relationship. Peter was passionate. To say the least. He was outspoken. And as we know. Sometimes he got it right. And sometimes he got it really wrong. But Jesus loved him. Because he was like. I can use this guy. He's passionate at least. He wants it. He's going for it. So I can use somebody like that. And Peter. He was. The same man. Who stood up on the first day of the church. And preached. It was Peter. Something that's interesting about Peter, of course, Peter used to be a fisherman. He went and followed Jesus. He was the same person who said, You're the Son of the living God, and on this rock I'll build my church. Same chapter, read it. Same chapter. Later on in the chapter, Jesus says to him, Right after he said, You're on it, God told you this, he says, You are Satan, get behind me. Same day. <laughs> We don't read the rest of the book. He nailed it earlier in the day and he blew it before the day was over. So he went from, Peter, you're awesome. I will build my entire church on you to get behind me, Satan. And you, some of you in here think Dr. Jacobs was ever rough with you. Come on now. Come on now. Be, be real. He's a prophet of God, but he never said, get behind me, Satan, for goodness sakes. Let's be real. <laughs> See, p- people don't want to read those scriptures. Like, Jesus said that too. He said, I love you, but he also had to bring some correction sometimes and say, hey, get behind me, Satan. He also, you know, threw some tables over a couple times or two. But, hey, we don't like to talk about those verses. But Peter, so he he nailed it one day. Same chapter, chapter 16 of Matthew. He said, get behind me, Satan. Passion. He, he just spoke. He, he spoke before he thought, how many are in those categories? I think I can be that way sometimes. He just started speaking. He was like, oh my gosh, what am I saying? And it was already coming out of his mouth. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. He's the same person who told Jesus, I will never deny you. And before the rooster crowed, he denied him three times to a middle school girl. No offense, middle school girl, but still... It wasn't like he was talking to a Roman soldier. He was talking to a little girl and said, no, I don't know Jesus. Jesus who? Jesus? I mean, I mean the, the guy who makes rice down at Tomo? Is that what you're talking about? That's real. That's real life. I'm not, I'm not being racist when I said that. Tomo is the best sh- at Tomo. Jesus is the best chef at Tomo. Ask for him. Trust me. It's good. Me and Chad went there earlier this week. And he said, before the rooster crowed, he denied him three times. (laughs) St. Peter, who nailed it. Jesus came to Peter later on in his life and said, Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times because he denied him three times. He said, yes, I love you. And God still used Peter. I think we should all be thankful that God can still use us. If God can use Peter and build his church on Peter, he can build his church on us. Peter should be the most encouraging person you see in the Bible. If God can use him, guess what? God can use you. And he said, Peter, I know your faults and your failures, but I'm still going to build my church using people like you. Using a stone like you, I can still use you. And it goes on, and like I said, He's the same man who preached the first message on the first day of the church when 3,000 people got saved. Peter was the one who stood up and said that. Notice what happened when the Spirit of God came on him, changed him into a different person. Before the Spirit of God, he denied Jesus three times to a middle school girl. With the Spirit of God, he stood up in front of the whole city, thousands of people, and proclaimed Jesus, and 3,000 people got saved. St. Peter. So for all of us in here that are struggling with stuff like God can't use you, God can use you. God wants to use you. Even if he knows you're going to mess something up in the future, he still wants to use you. And notice Peter was used the rest of his life. And now we're going to read a book that he wrote that made it into the Bible. So 1 Peter 2. You guys here. 1 Peter 2 and verse 4. It says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are also living stones. Notice you. He's talking to you. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And you are his holy priest that he's Made to offer sacrifices to God. But listen to this. You are also living stones. Jesus is building something on the earth and he wants you to be a part of it. God is building something and yes, he's the foundation. Yes, he's the cornerstone. But we are also living stones. We are living pieces of this building that God is building on the earth. We are a part of this structure. God is building something that the world will be attracted to. God is building something that the world will take notice of. I know you've seen it before. You've seen it either churches or buildings downtown. Just architecture that was amazing. Notice, what did it do? It caught your attention. It caught your eye. You looked at it, you're like, man, that is a beautiful building. That is an amazing church. Or you've been to, you know, a big city and saw, like, architecture, and you're like, how did they even make that place? It's amazing. That's what the church should be. I I think I should have heard amen on that one. That's what the church should be. Not like, eh, whatever. Which a lot of people have that attitude about the church. Now, why do they have that attitude? It's because the church is not where they're supposed to be as living stones. Because when we're all together, when we're all in this building, when we're all doing what we're called to do, when everybody's noticed in their place, in the same way if you had this huge high-rise building, you have to have everything in the right place for it to look right. And when everything's in this right place, the world will take notice and be attracted to it. That's what God has meant for His church that the world will be attracted to us, that they will take notice, but it doesn't happen when we're not where we should be. We as a living stone, we have a certain place that we need to be. Now let's look over at 1 Corinthians 12. So if we learn anything from The Apostle Peter's life is that God can use you, mistakes and all. God wants to use you. God has meant for his church to be be a part of something that's being built by people that are not perfect. But they're chosen by God. They're going to be used by God. 1 Corinthians 3 in verse 18 it says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I think some translations say that he sets us in place as it pleases him. So let me ask you something today. God is the master builder. He is the master architect. He is the person who is putting us all in place And we don't get to choose where we should be. Hello, somebody. We are not smart enough or spiritual enough to know where we should be in the body of Christ. Where we should be as a a part of this building. So it says that God will put us right where it pleases Him. He will set us in place where it gives Him glory. And we have to trust God that he's going to put us in the right place. Just like somebody who really knows, knows stone or knows bricks, you can't just wing it. Let me just throw these stones up there and hope they just make something beautiful. You just can't just put bricks anywhere. I mean, you might be good at Legos, but you're not that good to just wing it with bricks. And how many know, God is the master builder. He's the master architect building this thing. And Jesus is the foundation. And so he's going to put us wherever he knows we need to be. He's going to put us where we belong. He's going to put us where we can be used the most. And it's his job to do that. He sets us in place as it pleases him. He puts the stones and the beams and the, the brick all in place where it pleases him. In the same way, a building, a house, a structure is weak when things are not in the right place. The same way happens. Same thing happens to the local church when we're not in the right place. The same thing happens to the global church when people are out of their place. That makes a weak structure. It makes a weak building that can't withstand anything when we're not where we should be. And people don't wake up and notice when everything's out of place. It's only beautiful when everything's where it belongs. God has called us to be in the place where he wants us. You listen this morning. He sets us in a place as it pleases him. And and we said this a couple weeks ago. If this is not your church, get to a church where God has called you to be. I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying it in a legitimate way. Every person on the planet has a place where they belong. And you don't necessarily know that. God knows that. So you're going to have to seek him for where you should be because guess what? He knows there's a certain section in this wall and you're the brick that's supposed to go right there for Church on the Rock. So if you're over here, At Northside, it's not going to work. Are you hearing me? And vice versa. If you're the brick that should be at Northside, and you're at Church on the Rock, you're in the wrong place. Hello, somebody. If you're supposed to be at Graceland, and you're here, you're in the wrong place. So God will talk to you and he'll tell you where you belong and he'll set you where you need to be that doesn't mean other churches are better than other churches it just doesn't it means you just don't fit certain places kind of like a puzzle certain pieces just don't fit together not that they're bad not that they're against each other it's just you need to go where you need to go where God has set you are you hearing what I'm saying this morning And so he's going to set us in the place that pleases him. So let me ask you this. Has God told you that this is your church? You need to know that. And if it's not, go find the church you need to be at and get in the wall and get in the structure and let God build you and be where you belong because you're making the whole entire, not just one church, you're making the entire church weaker because you're not where you need to be. Because God will put you in the church as it pleases Him. Because He knows where you should be. hes we got to trust the architect. Can we say that? we got to trust the builder. We're just a stone. Have you ever heard a stone say, You know what, architect? I really don't think this is going to work out. Where's Brother Josh at? Brother Josh, has any wood ever spoken to you and said, You know what? I really don't feel like I should be here. I'm just really not getting along in this part of the wall right now. I mean... I'm a brick, and I don't want to be next to a stone. No, that's never happened. Brother Josh has never heard a piece of stone or metal or brick or anything ever talk back to him. Why? Because they don't know where they belong. But the architect and the master builder knows where they belong. And he puts it in the place that pleases him. But notice how beautiful this is. If everybody's in their place, the world takes notice. So we have a part to play. Our part is significant. Jesus is the foundation, the boulder. But we are pebbles and stones that are built to be this house that God is building on the earth. I love this quote, and I'm going to close with this. This is from Pastor Brian Houston from Hillsong Church. He said that the church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. I'm going to say that one more time just so you can hear what I'm saying. The church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. You know what? There is certain parts in the body of Christ or in the church that are more out in the open. The same way if you saw a structure, there's certain things you notice first. But that that doesn't make it more important. And let me say this, there's parts of the building you will never see that are more important than the parts of the building that you do see. Come on now. You know what, it's important what I'm doing right here, preaching the word of God, but the people back in preschool are just as important. The people that are outside making sure that your cars don't get stolen, thank God for them, are just as important. The ushers. The musicians, the people that clean, the people that do hospitality, the people taking pictures, every part matters. The people on the PowerPoint, the people on the sound, they're all a part of the building. And you know what? Sometimes you can't see them. But that doesn't mean they're less important than what God is doing. They're part of the foundation that God is building. Well, can we stand up this morning? Brother Daryl? could you come play? So I don't know about you, but I'm going to let God put me in the place where I belong. Because I'm going to be a stone and a brick in the building that God is building. I tell you what, when we all get in that place that the world will take notice and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. We all have a part to play. We're all important. We all are a living stone that's making up this house that God is building. And let's let God build it. Let's say, God, you know what, I want to be used by you. I want to play the part that you've called me to play. Can we just say that for a moment?